Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Titus 3. Nobody likes a hypocrite. I'm sure you resonate with that statement. And even worse, I think nobody likes a hypocrite that is completely unself-aware. Someone that is being hypocritical, obviously hypocritical, without any awareness of their hypocrisy, even that they would get to a point where they are calling out others for the same sin that they are committing. To put it another way, nobody likes a holier-than-thou attitude. Now, when you think about that phrase, holier-than-thou, that is worth thinking about, even as you think about Christians. Christians are called to be holy. Christians have been set apart in Christ, and that should lead to a change in their life. Frankly, Christians should be holier than uh, the world around them. However, I do not think that that should translate to a holier-than-thou attitude or mindset. And even though there should not be hypocrisy in the life of a Christian now, there should be a self-awareness, or more accurately, a gospel awareness of who we used to be. And those thoughts and understanding that I am a sinner who is saved by God's grace and the only reason there is holiness in my life is because of the work that God has done in me, that should influence how we interact with other people. And we're going to see these principles clearly in Titus 3 today. Now, as we get into Titus 3, let's remember the broader context. First, this is the final chapter we will read in the pastoral epistles. These three letters that were written from Paul to pastors. And one theme that we have seen throughout the book of Titus is, going back to the very first verse, knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Or the first verse of chapter 2, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So we've been exploring this idea that there is right teaching and a right knowledge of the truth, but that right knowledge of the truth should lead to a, a godly way of life. There's a way that fits, accords, right? That's a musical term, uh, something that goes together, something that fits uh, there's a type of life that fits with the truth. And so that is what Paul is now continuing to expound on. And in this godly life that fits with the truth, he begins chapter three by saying, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So here you see a, a list of instructions on how we are to interact with others. And some are specific. We see the first one that we are to submit to rulers and authorities, uh, to be obedient. That's clearly uh, applying to our relationship to people that are in authority over 
us, but then we see some things that are more general, to speak evil of no one, to show perfect courtesy to all people. So whether we're talking about someone who is in authority, or we're talking about your neighbor or your coworker, God has given you instructions on how you should treat them. And notice here uh, some of the things that it says. It highlights to be gentle, to avoid quarreling. Christians should not be people who are always spoiling for a fight. If I could sum up some of the things on this list, it would be the word meekness, that there should be a meekness that Christians have. And he goes on to explain why we should have this this meekness, somewhat of a gentleness, a humility about us. And he explains why we should do this starting in verse three, for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there he's saying, as you interact with other people, there should be a right gospel-influenced self-awareness that you should not just have maybe the generic thing of what we would call a holier-than-thou attitude, even though you should be holy, you should be living different. There should be a gentleness and a meekness in how that translates to other people because you know that the only reason you are the way that you are is because of the grace of God. You were a sinner, and you still would be a sinner, would it not be for the grace of God. And really, you still are a sinner in some sense. You are not even now perfect, but you are not hopefully as great of a sinner as you would have been without the grace of God. And we need to have a deep sense of that, and that will influence how we interact with others. Because I understand that I am saved by the grace of God, I will not always be spoiling for a fight and quarreling. And even when I have to disagree with someone or I need to rebuke someone or to call out sin, I'm going to do it in a way that is gentle. I'm not just going to be loose or pejorative in my language. I'm never going to use even curses or foul language to describe others. I'm going to speak evil of, of no one. And in all this, even in how I talk to other people or how I evangelize, I'm going to seek to show perfect courtesy towards all people because of this. So one thing to make clear in this, meekness does not equal weakness. Meekness does not equal weakness. And I think this is another area where we need to avoid pendulums and seek to be precise. I think you see some people, even in the name of Christ, who just come across as very argumentative, not gentle, not courteous, Uh, And we don't want to be that, but that doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to swing the pendulum the other way and 
I'm not really going to say anything. I'm never going to disagree with anyone about anything. I'm never going to stand up for the truth. That's not where we want to be either. We want to be strong and stand for the truth and seek to advance the gospel, but we also want to be gentle. And that is possible. And if you want an example of that, I hope you have seen that now in the Apostle Paul. You have read much of his life and ministry in the book of Acts, if you've been reading through the New Testament with us, and now you've seen him interact with several churches, and now even pastors through his letters. And I hope you see in him a strength. He was bold for the gospel. Even when standing before governors and people in political authority, he is unafraid to call them out on their own sin. He's unafraid to call them to follow Christ and seek to convert them to Christianity. So he is strong, but I think you also observe in Paul, there is also a humility. He is not doing this at all from a place of self-righteousness. There's a gentleness, there's a tenderness, there's a love that he clearly has. And so I think Paul, as much as we can see of him in the scriptures, gives us a good example. Uh, Again, so we don't want to just be a pendulum and be, well, I'm too aggressive and uh, argumentative and Uh, just nasty towards other people as I talk about the truth or as I talk about issues in the world or as I seek to share the gospel. I don't just want to swing the pendulum to, well, I'm just soft-spoken and I'm never going to be bold and stand for anything. No, I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing it in the right way because I'm never losing this self-awareness of really what God has done for me in the gospel. That's an important thing for us. And then as we wrap up, again, there's that theme of Teaching the right doctrine that leads to the right living that matches up with that is good, right? In verse 8, he's telling Paul to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable for people. Right teaching that leads to right living is good, excellent, and profitable. But what is not, verse 9, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So there in back-to-back verses, you see profitable, these good works that come from a right teaching, those are profitable for people, but arguments that don't lead anywhere, those are unprofitable for people. And that is something we need to be aware of. I mean, that's a good thing for Paul to warn pastors of, and that's a good thing for pastors to warn churches of. If you find yourself, man, I just want to debate everything. I just want to argue about everything. And none of that is really about the right doctrine that then leads to right living. That is a big problem. And that is something that people in the church engage in. They love to debate. They love to get into whether it's theology or issues in the world. And I just want to debate all of these things, but it's not really about me believing the right thing and leading to a right kind of life. That is unprofitable and that should be avoided. And even if someone in those things is divisive, It says that they should be warned once and then twice and then have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. 
So there you see, um, you know, going all the way back to Matthew 18, we talked about church discipline and we talk about uh, the main reason we usually think of that is unrepentant sin, where there is sin that has been confronted, but it's not being repented of. And that leads to uh, having someone leave the church, kicking someone out of the church. Here we see another reason for that. If someone is divisive, it could go that same route of really church discipline and putting that person out of the church because they're refusing to not be divisive. Then we see Paul uh, greet others as he normally does at the end of uh, the letter. And again, he reminds people to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. There you see even part of the idea of good works is generosity that is helping actual people. And then he closes with those words, grace be with you all. So I hope you've learned something from your, you know, crash course here in seminary over the last few books that you have seen more of what God expects of your pastors. And that helps you, of course, to pray for them, to choose the right pastors, but also that it helps you see what, what pastors are meant to teach you and what kind of example you are to follow. And I hope that makes you a stronger person in your church. And I hope that makes you a stronger follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.